at 7 o'clock. Let's read now Mark chapter 9, verse 35, all right? Here's what the Bible said. And Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion on them because they fainted and were scattered abroad as sheep having no shepherd. Then saith he to his disciples, The harvest truly is plenteous, but the laborers are few. Pray ye therefore, the Lord of the harvest, that he would send forth laborers into his harvest. I want to talk a little bit about this harvest tonight in relationship to friend day. All right, let's pray. Father, please bless your word. Help us tonight again. Move us, challenge us, convict us, whatever we need to have done to us. Lord, do it as we make preparation to have our friends here with us on friend day. And I pray for a good move of God on friend day. Lord, please meet with us. Do something special for us and help us, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. If you've been keeping count with me, then you will know that today we are exactly two weeks away from our big centennial homecoming celebration and friend day. That's 14 days, that's 336 hours, or only 20,160 minutes until friend day. Now, I've got to tell you, I want you to trust us. There's a lot of preparations been going on around here recently. Our folks are very busy as we're getting ready for what could be uh, one of, if not the biggest day in the history of Woodland Baptist Church. Let me tell you a little bit about some of the preparations that's going on around here right now as uh, we move toward Friend Day. I can't take a Sunday morning to go over all this, so I've got to do it on Sunday night. And if you will, for that crowd that's not here that only comes on Sunday morning, somehow we've got to pass this along uh, to them. First of all, I know a lot of you ladies, I've been encouraging you to get food here on that day. I'm not lying when I tell you that we may possibly feed as many as 2,000 people here that day. So just to kind of help you to know what I was going on, I know some ladies have come to me with questions about what am I going to do with stuff that I bring that needs to be in the refrigerator. So what we've done is we have rented for that day a 26, 26, 24, 26 foot long refrigerated truck that's just going to be sitting over here in the parking lot on Sunday morning in case you bring a banana pudding or unless, now you may bring a banana pudding, or you may bring, I don't know, a banana pudding, or you, I don't know what you may bring, a banana pudding or something that needs to be in the refrigerator so it don't spoil during our service that morning. So there'll be a big refrigerated truck for anything. If you bring potato salad, I think potato, if I'm right about that, has to be in the refrigerator, I think. I'm not sure. But uh, stuff along that line that has to be refrigerated to save us the hassle of trying to move it from this refrigerator out to the tent where the tables will be set up for food. We have rented this truck, so feel free to bring stuff that needs to be refrigerated because hopefully we have that taken care of. We also have a catering company that's going to come that morning and it's going to take care of the food. They're going to get here about 8 o'clock in this big old truck and they're going to start frying chicken that morning and they're going to start preparing barbecue. So we've got enough barbecue and chicken prepared for 3,000? 
Yes, sir. <laughs> we better have enough. So we're going to have the chicken. They're going to fry that here on the property and prepare the barbecue here on the property. So all we've got to do is provide the people who, as it's prepared, can get it, run it to the tables so people can have enough food. So I hope, I'm thinking, if you'll help us in that endeavor of bringing all the stuff that goes along, we'll provide the drinks and so forth. If you'll just help us with the fixings that go along around that. Then I want to say that starting next Sunday night, we're going to have a special meeting with all of our greeters. We need all of our greeters, not just whatever section it is that Sunday morning, but all of the greeters are going to have to be on hand on that particular day to help people to get situated here in the auditorium. And then we're going to need all of the ushers, not just four or five or six or seven as the case may be, but all the ushers. If you usher, we're going to need you present here on that Sunday morning to help us out. And then we're going to be parking people. This, this area here is not going to be enough room to park all the people. So I'm going to ask you members of the church here. I'll do this, but we're going to have to park as many as we can park back here on the ball field. That's why we've got to have some pretty weather so it's not real muddy. So we're going to section that ball field off. We're going to have men out there that's going to help park people, our people. We're not asking our guests to park back there, but our people. How many of y'all be willing to park back there? I mean, I will. Will y'all help me with that? Pray about it. Some of you didn't raise your hand. Pray about parking back there on that Sunday morning. So we're going to have parking back on the ball field uh, back there that day. And then, of course, we'll leave all this for the guests and uh, those who will be in attendance that morning. And then I don't know if this has been done yet, but we're going to have ramps that are going to be leading up to the, to the place where the tent is going to be set up at. So we're setting a tent up big enough to get 750 seats under it, a round table over here on this big hill. But naturally, some of our folks can't climb up that hill, so the company that's doing all the work around here has so graciously agreed to come in and cut ramps up through there, and then they, at their expense, are going to bring gravel in and put gravel, two ramps and gravel in a slight incline going up there so it won't be hard to get up there, walk up there, and be a part of the homecoming day. Now, Brother Mark Charles has been so gracious to give us some golf carts for that day. So people that struggle, maybe on walkers or wheelchairs, as the case may be, or whatever, we're going to have golf carts here to carry people up there that day as well. So that'll help out people, or maybe if you struggle walking, you just don't think you can get up that incline or whatever, there'll be golf carts that'll carry folks. If you'll just be patient about that, there'll be some golf carts that'll help get you out there. And then we're going to have some satellite rooms set up here in our church. Now, we have an additional, follow me on this, we have an additional 500 of these green chairs like you're sitting in scattered around here in these Sunday school rooms and also maybe some out in the building. So what we're going to do, not, not this coming week, but the, after next Sunday, after that Father's Day and Donuts with Dad and all that, the following week we're going to bring an additional 500 chairs into this auditorium. You say, where are you going to put them at? I don't know. We're going to put them somewhere. So we're going to add extra rows of seating into this auditorium on this side, that side. We're going to maybe cut down on some of the aisles. Maybe, maybe we can tuck things together and bring an additional 500 chairs into this auditorium. Now, I think we've got 1,200 or somewhere in here in that close figure anyway in here right now. But on that day, we're going we're gonna to pack this auditorium out to capacity. And then what we're going to have to ask you to do, because 
there's going to be more people in here than we can put in here. If you would be so gracious and willing to think about this, but we're going to have two satellite areas set up in our church, one in the dining hall and another in the library, and the service will be will be cast live on the televisions in the dining hall and also in the library. Now, I'm expecting, and by the way, you say, Preacher, maybe you're going out on a limb too much, but it's better to be prepared than not to be prepared. What is the Boy Scout motto? Be prepared. So what we're trying to do is just get prepared for that. So if you don't mind, if, if you see the auditorium filling up that morning, I'm going to ask our people if you wouldn't mind. And we can even leave the doors open right there. But uh, if you could just, if you don't mind taking a seat out in the dining hall, and if that gets full, and I don't know how many chairs we get in the dining hall, maybe maybe 100, 150, something like that. We're going to fill up the, the library on the farther end of the building with chairs as well. And so we're just trying to make everybody uh, as comfortable as they possibly can in, uh, in the service for that day. Now, listen to this. Look, I'm going to have to ask you to have patience that day. You're going to need to come. Please don't not come because it's going to be a big crowd. Wouldn't that be a sight? I mean, for people who say, oh, foot, I ain't going. Man, there's going to be so many people, they ain't going to miss me. Yeah, we'll miss you. And, and if you don't come, we're going to kill you. I mean, so it's just, it's either, you know, die or come, uh, one or the other. Hey, this is going to be a once-in-a-lifetime kind of a celebration. You know, it's going to be a day of great history. In fact, if the Lord don't come, and I'll be dead and gone, but in years to come, somebody will probably say, you know, I remember back in, what, 2019 when our church had a 100 homecoming and we had X amount of people here and all of this happened that day. It's going to be a day of history, but it's also going to be a day that's going to require patience on our part. So don't get angry. If you walk in and somebody's already sitting in your chair, I mean, don't huff and puff about that. Find another chair. I mean, find a nice chair somewhere and sit down somewhere else for that day. You can have it back next Sunday, okay? So, but be patient. And would you do this? Would you be kind? I mean, here is an opportunity for us to really put our best foot forward. In, in this particular day. And if, and if people come here and our membership is unkind to them, hey, that's, that's not, you only get, what is it? You never get a second chance to make a first impression. Is that what it says on the head and shoulders bottle? You never get a second chance to make a first impression. And so here's going to be our chance to make an impression that hopefully will show people that we care, that we're a kind church, we're a patient church, and we care about folks here. And so to do that, man, we're just going to have to put our best foot forward that day. You say, well, I'm not a very patient or kind person. Well, be one that day. Get out of your comfort zone. Uh, pray God will help you to have a good personality for one day or whatever. Don't be grumpy, but come to church and just go with the flow, man. Just go with the flow, all right, and help us on that day. Now, choir, choir. Listen, we should not have an empty... There is no reason whatsoever to have an empty seat in the choir on that particular Sunday morning. Now, I know some of our people that sing in the choir on Sunday mornings, they're all back here in another part of the building working in a children's church or as the case may be, whatever. But not on that Sunday morning. We're not having children's churches that day. Buses are being run on Saturday that day. So we won't have a bus running uh, activity going on that Sunday. So everybody should be in the choir. And you say, well, there's not enough seats in there. We'll put seats in the choir. 
Don't worry about it. We'll add some seats down in here, slide everything up. But we want the choir to be full that morning. And we want the choir to sing the roof off this place that morning. I'm talking about singing, singing the glory down. I'm talking about, I mean, when we sing, these folks may not want what we got, but they know we're enjoying it. I'm talking about that kind of a singing. Amen. Singing good old-fashioned songs. Man, it's, our church has sang down through the decades, and now it's the case maybe for a century. And man, let's just let folks know that we're, we love Jesus, and we're excited about going to heaven, and uh, we're glad to have all these folks here. It is going to be a great day. Now, we're trying to cover everything. I know there'll be something that we'll forget that won't be covered, but we're trying to cover every base make sure every need is going to be taken care of that morning. But a lot of this is going to depend on you. If you're not patient and if you're not kind, it's going to blow the whole day. So please just come with the attitude of this day. One day out of all the years I've been coming to Woodland, I may have to sit somewhere else today. Can I have an amen? amen. By the way, last time I checked on these chairs, didn't have a name on them, no way. You're welcome. I'd just sit wherever I could that morning and be glad you got a seat. I'll give my chair up so I can sit up here. I'll just stand up that Sunday morning. I don't care. I'm just telling you, it's going to be a great day. It's going to be a monumental day. It's going to be a historical day. It's going to be a great day, a wonderful day. Hey, let's come with a good attitude that morning. Now, we're not having Sunday school that morning. So all you've got to do is show up about 9 o'clock that morning. Service will start at 10 o'clock, promptly start at 10 o'clock. So there's no need. So you can meet your guests and welcome them into the service that morning. You don't have to worry about, you know, trying to get out of Sunday school and getting to, work, you know, getting to meet your guests, whatever. Come as early as you want to come that morning, all right? But don't save seats. Don't throw your Bible down. Don't bring a, don't bring a quilt in here and throw down. And, or don't, don't set your lunchbox in your seat or whatever. But, I mean, just come. And come with a good attitude that morning. A great attitude is going to go a long way on June 23rd. So I said all that to say this. A lot of preparations is going into that day. Now, we're encouraging you to bring your friend, or as the case may be, your friends with you to church that day. Now, I've been keeping up with the count, and right now, in addition to our regular crowd, we have promises of 383 other people so far. Now, by the way, maybe that's not counting all the dignitaries and the politicians that's going to show up that day, but we have at least, as of, as of the count Wednesday night, 383 additional guests that's going to show up for church that day. Can I ask you a question? How are you doing with your friends? How many have you got promised to come that day? Well, I think you know by now that in these days I've been encouraging you on these Sunday nights to do our best to have at least one, one. I'm asking you to bring your one, or as the case may be, bring others with you on Friend Day. Now, don't forget, Wednesday night, once again, we're going to go section by section. And remember, our soul-winning contest probably is going to be decided on that June the 23rd day of which section has the most guests that are here in the church that day. That's going to go a long way in deciding who's going to win. So, Brother Mark, you're not out of it yet. Boy, if your crowd comes through with a big number that day, and by the way, they don't have to sit in your section, but they have to be your guest. Can I have an amen? And, and so it's going to be a great big day that day. Please pray about that. 
Please be patient. Be kind that day. Put your best foot forward that day. If you're going to be sour and everything, don't come till 10.15. If you're going to be negative, show up to eat. But otherwise, here's a great opportunity to let folks know what we think about them. <laughs> In a good way. What we think about them. So don't forget now, fill out your cards because we're sending letters the week of. So not this week, but next week, starting on Monday, we're going to, everybody that you've turned in a card for that's got an address or a phone number, we're mailing them a letter reminding them of their promise to you to be in church on that Sunday. So it's vitally important we get an address on everybody, a phone number. You want to contact these people again. Reach out to them again. Just don't say, well, they said five weeks ago they'll come. Hey, a lot can happen in five weeks. So we've got to reach back out. In addition, we are sending church letters. We're sending letters out. I personally have written letters to all of the people who used to come here that have backslid on God and no longer come here anymore and have joined other churches. And a, you know I'm kidding. Anyway, so I'm, we're writing them letters. I'm personally inviting them to come back and be a part of that special day. So I'm telling, there's no telling how many people are going to be here that day. What's the key word? Patience. What's the key word? So we've got two key words. This half of the church is patience. This half of the church is kindness. What's the key word? What's the key word? What's the key word? What's the key word? If we'll have patience and kindness that day, we can have a great day on that day. All right, let's get to our text tonight. I'll wrap this thing up. As best I can figure, as best I can figure, there were 156 weeks in the earthly ministry of the Lord Jesus. Now, you do the math. There's 52 weeks in every year. His earthly ministry lasted from the time that he was 30 years old. He introduced himself. He stepped out in his public ministry when he was baptized. And Luke chapter 3 says that was at the age of 30. We also know that Jesus died somewhere around the age of 33 years old. So for three years, Jesus' earthly ministry existed here on the earth. Now, three times 52 is 100 and 56 weeks. So we basically know out of that 156 weeks, we know a whole lot about that last week, that 156 week. We know a whole lot about that week. We know all the events of that week and how that he rode into the city of Jerusalem on a donkey, he had a supper with his disciples in the upper room, and he washed their feet. We know a whole lot about that 156 week in the life of our Lord. But what about the other 155 weeks? What was his life like during the other 155 weeks in the life, earthly ministry, of our Lord Jesus? What was he like? And what did he do during that 155 weeks? Well, I had you to open your Bible tonight to the Gospel of Matthew because in this text we get a glimpse inside of the heart of the very Son of God. We see what the other 155 weeks of his life, as far as his earthly ministry, was all about. In our terminology, in our text tonight, we see what made Jesus tick. 
We see what he was passionate about. And the one thing that interested the Lord Jesus more than anything else during that 155-week period of his life was something that he called the harvest. The harvest. In fact, in verse number 38, Jesus called himself the Lord of the harvest. Hey, can I tell you the reason Jesus left heaven and came into this world? The harvest. Everything that Jesus did in his life was about the harvest. In fact, Jesus even said this in, Luke, in John 20, verse 21. Jesus was even concerned about the harvest then, so he said this. Jesus said, Peace be unto you, as my Father hath sent me, even so, read it with me now, send I you, you know the reason that we're in this world tonight? The harvest. Everything about the life of the Lord Jesus was about the harvest. And let me just say this, really, this big day, the 100-year celebration, the friend day, is all about, you guessed it, the harvest. Now, we're going to do a lot of stuff in that service that morning. We, we, we're going to celebrate 100 years of the history of our church. We're going to take some time out and just honor the former pastors of our church, even though outside of me, I think they're all dead. Boy, I'll tell you what, that don't say a whole lot about me. Though. I mean, every one of them's dead now. But uh, We're going to honor some of the pastors and some of their family that's going to be here present in the service that morning. We're going to talk much and maybe show a little video presentation, a little movie about the history of our church. we got some special guests. we got some politicians that's going to jump up here. and They're going to congratulate our church on the 100th anniversary so some of the politicians are going to speak. I think, if I'm not mistaken, even the lieutenant governor of our church, uh, of, our gov of our church, the lieutenant governor of the state of... Brother Mark is the lieutenant governor. I, I think the lieutenant... Boy, wouldn't it be good if we could get the governor here? Wouldn't it be good if the governor would come that morning? Hey! And they're going to say some things. And then, and then we're going to have a big meal and, and enjoy some fellowship after church. But can I tell you what June the 23rd is all about? The harvest. That's what it's all about. You do the math, 100 years. Our church has been in existence now for 5,200 Sundays. That's not counting the Wednesday nights, and that's not, what, that's not counting the revival meetings or the special meetings. But can I tell you what this church has always been about? The harvest. Hey, Jesus was about the harvest. Hey, we ought to be about the harvest. Our church is about the harvest. So let's tonight, let's talk about the harvest. I want you to look at this text tonight real fast. 623, show you four things. Let's go to the house. First of all, I want you to notice, number one, the pain of the harvest. Now, if you will, look at verse 36. And the Bible said this, But when he, Jesus, saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion on them because they fainted. They fainted and were scattered abroad as sheep, having no shepherd. You know, when Jesus looked at the crowds, the multitudes of people that he saw, he saw them how they really were. He could look upon their faces and see their fear. He could look into their heart and see their hurt. 
When the Pharisees saw the multitudes, they saw people. That's all they saw. They saw crowds of people. But when Jesus looked at the multitudes, Jesus didn't see a crowd. He didn't see people. What he saw was a flock of sheep. Look again at verse number, uh, verse number 36. He said they were as sheep having no shepherd. Now, when the Lord said that about people being like sheep, I don't think he meant that as a compliment. I think he meant that as an indictment because all of us in here tonight know that the most stupid animal that there is alive on planet Earth today is a sheep. Sheep cannot find their way back home. Sheep have no homing instincts. Sheep wander away at a moment's notice. Sheep are always looking in search of something to eat, no matter if it carries them right into the midst of a den of wolves. In fact, 3,000 years ago, a prophet by the name of Isaiah said this. He said that we were as sheep who had gone astray. Now, when Jesus saw the crowds and said they're like sheep, he wasn't paying them a compliment. You know, I used to think when the Lord called a sheep, he was talking about these big old fluffy animals that were white and, man, just lovable and cuddly and, oh, they're just so precious. But I'll tell you what, there's a sheep farm up not too far from where we live. In fact, there's a road called Sheep Farm Road. And there's a fellow out there that's got a sheep farm. And when you ride by, them sheep, they're not white and fluffy. They're dirty. They roll in the dirt and the mud. Man, they're crazy. They have no, no intelligence about them whatsoever. So when Jesus looked at the crowds and said, hey, they're like sheep, he wasn't complimenting them. He was bringing an indictment against them. They're dumb. They're dirty. They're defenseless. They're dependent. Jesus, when he saw the sheep, he said to himself, he was moved with compassion. You know why? Because he saw a flock of sheep. He saw that they were hurting. Look again at verse 36. He said they fainted. And the word faint means to be ripped apart or it means to be worn out and exhausted. Hey, can I tell you something? The one thing I know about everybody in this room is this. Every one of us at some point or another in our life have experienced heartache and everybody in this room tonight has experienced hurt. You know, all of us have a story. You ever notice when you watch these programs on TV, they always try to lead into a program or whatever with a story about somebody's life. And they want you to pity those people and feel sorry for those people. But can I tell you what's the truth tonight? Everybody in this room's got a story. Everybody in this room has experienced heartache, and everybody in this room has experienced hurt at one point in their life. Listen, I've learned long enough. You stay around people long enough. The truth of the matter is you come to know everybody has a story. Everybody has been hurt. Everybody has been worn out. Everybody is exhausted. He saw them as hurting. He saw them as helpless. Notice the Bible said again in verse 36 that they were scattered. That literally means to be cast down. Now, there is a, a, a symptom of sheep. Listen, when a sheep gets off its feet and rolls over on its back, it is called a cast sheep. And when a sheep gets off its feet and rolls over on its back, that sheep cannot get back on its feet again without the help of a shepherd. Another sheep's not going to come along and take its little face, whatever you call them, whatever the face, and nudge them back up on their feet again. 
Once they get off their feet and on their back, they'll die in that condition. Jesus looked about the sheep of that day, the people of that day, and he said this, they're cast, they're on their back, they can't get back on their feet again. They've fallen down and they can't. How many of y'all remember that old commercial that used to come on TV that said this, I've fallen and I can't get up. Y'all remember that? Ladies and gentlemen, when Jesus looked upon the masses of humanity, he saw them as hurting. They were fainting. They were without strength. They were exhausted. They were worn out. But he also saw them as helpless. They had fallen and could not get back up. That's why they need a shepherd, a shepherd to come along in compassion and roll them back on their feet again. He saw them as hurting. He saw them as helpless. And then he saw them like this. Look at verse 36. He saw them as hopeless because they had no shepherd. It can be said without apology that a person without God is not only lost, but they're hopelessly lost. Can I tell you in reality, listen to this if you will, can I tell you what a lost person really is? A lost person is like a blind man in a dark room looking for a black cat that's not even there. Does that pretty much, uh, does that pretty much describe your life? Groping, trying to find something that's going to satisfy you, but you're in blindness in a dark room looking for a black cat, feeling for a black cat that wasn't even there. That's what's wrong with people. That's the way Jesus saw people, the pain of it all, groping in the darkness. The world is full of people tonight who are in pain. Your friends, your co-laborers, your, your neighbors, your family, if they're without Jesus, they're without hope, they're in pain, they're hurting and heartsick, they're lonely and they're lost, they're tried and they're troubled. Ever wonder why there's so many hurting people in the world? I think the devil knows the only way he can wound the heart of God is to wound the heart of God by hurting what God loves. And what does God love? God loves me. What does God love? God loves you. And God loves almost 8 billion people that are in this world tonight. I'm here to tell you, there's the pain, the pain of the harvest. Notice, secondly, look again at verse 37. There's the plenty of the harvest. Look again at verse 37. Jesus said unto his disciples, the harvest truly is plenteous. In other words, Jesus said this, they're helpless, they're hopeless, they are, what was that other H that they used? Helpless, hurting, and they were hurting. And Jesus said that the, the world is full of those people like that. The Bible said the harvest is plenteous. They are ready for the taking, ready for the picking. You know, I think what Jesus was saying is this. There's a lot of people out there that will get saved if we'll go to them. We've got to change our perspective on this. I think the devil has convinced us that nobody wants to get saved. And what he tells us is it's the last days, and the Bible says that in the last days that there's going to come a great falling away and men's hearts are going to get hardened and callous and they won't want anything to do for God. And, I, and while the Bible says that, listen, I want to tell you something. I believe there's folks out there that get saved if they just knew how. You can't tell me that a man who knows he's dying and going to hell and is going to burn and be eternally separated from God forever and ever and ever, if he's given an opportunity to miss that, you can't tell me he won't take it. I believe with all my heart there's people out here that want to be saved. Jesus said the harvest is what? Plenteous. 
I didn't say that. Jesus did. Jesus said the fields out here are rotting with lost people who would get saved if somebody would just come along and pick them. Am I right about that? Am I in the text? You know, we need to change our attitude, our mindset about the lost. I heard about these two men. Both of them were shoe salesmen. Both of them went to Africa. One of the shoe salesmen went to Africa, stayed a little while, and then wired back to the home office. Coming home soon, nobody over here wears shoes. The other one went to the same place, stayed there just a little while, wired back to his home office and said, send all the shoes you can. Nobody over here wears shoes. What's the difference? Outlook. What's the difference? Attitude. What's the difference? The viewpoint of it all. We'd be surprised how many people would get saved if they only knew how. Jesus said the harvest is truly, what's the word he used? Man, it's plenteous, he said. Look at this verse right here, John chapter 4. Here in another occasion, here's what he said. Say ye not, there are yet four months, and then cometh harvest. So Jesus said, hey, don't make excuses for not doing it. Don't say, hey, it's a little while down the road. Don't say, it's four months down the road, and then there'll come a harvest. Jesus said, hey, don't say that. Say ye not four months, and then cometh harvest. Behold, I say unto you, Jesus said, hey, look out now. Lift up your eyes now. Look on the fields, for they are white already. Jesus said, stop offering up excuses. Stop saying it's not the right time. Stop saying people don't want it. Stop saying sometime later on. Jesus said, hey, don't say that. Jesus said, look up now, man. Look out here in the fields. They are white. They're ready unto harvest right now, Jesus said. The people of the harvest. I'm sorry, the pain of the harvest. The plenty of the harvest. But then notice the problem of the harvest. What is the problem? Look again at verse number 37. Jesus said, here's the problem. The, the, the harvest is plenteous. Now read these next words with me. But that is the problem of the harvest. Jesus said it's a great harvest. It's waiting to be gathered, ripe for the picking. And the whole problem is not the size of the harvest. The whole problem is the fewness of the workers. That's what the problem is. Hey, look, when it comes to friend day, when it comes to friend day, bring somebody with you that day. I mean, do something that day. Get somebody in the house of God. The problem of the harvest is there's not enough people out in the fields working to pick the, the, the harvest that is now ready. I heard about this little boy who was asked by his daddy one time. He said, son, I want you to go somewhere with me. And his little boy said, looked at his daddy and said, I ain't going. Well, his daddy said, uh, uh, now look, I don't like that kind of language. And you're not supposed to use the word ain't. That's not proper English. And then he set his son down and proceeded him to give his son a lesson in English. And here's what he said. Son, now listen carefully. First person singular, I am not going. Second person singular, you're not going. Third person singular, he is not going. First person plural, we're not going. Second person plural, you're not going. Third person plural, they're not going. Now, son, do you understand? He said, yes, sir, Daddy. Sounds to me like ain't nobody going. Can I tell you what's wrong? Ain't nobody going. Listen, friend, they're out there. You've got friends that's lost. They would come if you invited them. 
You've got friends out there that may get saved. They may get saved if you tell them how, if I tell them how. The whole problem is not with the harvest. It's ready, Jesus said. I didn't say it. Jesus said it. Say, Brother Tim, I tried it one time and it didn't work. Try it again. Just take Jesus at his word. The harvest is truly plenteous, but the laborers are... Don't you show up here that Sunday morning without somebody with you? Bless God, go by the rest home and sign somebody out. Hey, go by the rescue mission and pick somebody up. There's no excuse for not anybody in this room not having somebody with you when you come to church on that day. Because as far as a Christian goes, there are only two gears in his motor, and that is go and know. Amen. If you don't have somebody with you that day, don't be mad at me. I'm just telling you the truth. But if you don't have somebody with you that day, look, don't you blame it on anybody but yourself. Now, I know I've got several that signed up to come, and not all of them probably going to come. I understand that. But one of them will. <laughs> you know why? I'm going by and pick him up. <laughs> we all can bring somebody that day. So he talked about the, he talked about the pain of the harvest, and he talked about the, the, uh, the plenteous of the harvest, and then he talked about the problem of the harvest. But look at verse 38. He talked about the prayer of the harvest. Look at verse 38. Pray ye therefore. Uh, uh, the Lord of the harvest. I remember every bus meeting, we don't do this anymore, but every bus meeting years ago when we concluded, we would always quote this verse, pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest would send forth labor. Ed, where's Brother Eddie at? Brother Eddie, you remember us doing that? Every, every time we concluded bus ministry, pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest that he would send forth laborers into can I tell you something? Jesus has got a problem tonight. You say, preacher, what in the world kind of problem could Jesus have? Well, the problem is he don't have enough workers working in the harvest. That is what the problem is. Not enough laborers. Too many of us talk about the lost and too few of us talk to the lost. It is time for me and for you to be an answer to the prayer of the Son of God. I think Jesus is up yonder in heaven tonight. Oh, God, please send forth some labor. Will you be an answer to his prayer? Will you volunteer on that Sunday to bring a friend with you to the house of God and then pray for the power of God upon the services that day? It can happen. This could be the greatest day we've ever had here at Woodland if not the greatest, one of the greatest days we've ever had, but it's going to rest squarely on our shoulders. There's a harvest. Go out there and pick you one. Hey, they're ripe. They're falling off. They're rotting in the field. Let's go get one. Will you go get one with me? Will you do it? Let's do it. Let's pray. Father, 